All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's Action for Everyone. I am one of your co-hosts, Mike Scott, and we have congratulations in order because our other co-host, Vice Victus, has just finished his master's thesis. He is done with school uh, at this point, and so we are going to give him a big round of applause. Uh, Buddy, welcome this week. So proud of you, my friend. I want to just curl up into a ball and die. I am so exhausted and tired and relieved that this is finally over. Well, there's still great to be tabulated and so forth, but yeah, the uh, the main stuff is done. And I just want to go to sleep until New Year's. Lately, <laughs> about that, yeah, good to see you again, guys. <laughs> and uh, oh, oh yeah, also I guess we have Liam O'Donnell here too. Uh- <laughs> oh, he's still bitter about the no time to die thing. Hey, congratulations, Vice. <laughs> Happy to be here. I saw that you were. Um, getting a little loose on Twitter. So I immediately turned to my wife and said, I have to start drinking. Now we're on separate coasts. So that means, you know, uh, I started, uh, I think at 2 PM, <laughs> um, but I'm feeling good, feeling loose, ready to, ready to pod. Yeah. Let's, oh, let's do it. Vice. Go yeah. Ahead. Well, let, yeah. Just, uh, let me jump in right now. Just uh, before we begin, uh, another, another shout out, another follow you guys should all uh, follow, I guess. Uh, I was able to meet up with uh, on known as, on Twitter as uh, only nice things. Uh, you know, he does a, a lot of uh, movie and martial arts uh, uh, tweets as well. So big shout out to him. Uh, uh, thanks zero for meeting up with me. Had a great time over in Astoria in Queens, New York. Uh, his friend there as well. We had a great time just uh, on meeting face to face and uh, you know sharing little movies and some good beer. So yeah, like I said, it's only nice things on Twitter. So please please follow him and let's get us good peoples. And I actually just followed him as you were telling us that. I meant to follow him earlier when I saw your tweets, but I uh, just followed him now. So, all right, uh, we had some we had some some stuff happen this week. Some some trailers and stuff that we're going to talk about. Uh, but first and foremost, I got Liam's itinerary up here. Uh, we teased. Whoop! I just hit my microphone. I'm not going to edit <laughs> that out because that's how we roll on action for everyone. But. Uh, we teased it last week, and you may have noticed we did a little bit of a rebranding. Uh, this show started, this feed started as Adkins Undisputed, and Adkins Undisputed is going to continue on this feed. But it made a whole lot more sense to do Action for Everyone as the umbrella and then have Adkins Undisputed be a, a sub reign of a subcategory of that and that also frees me up as kind of the guy who does the podcasts here um to also branch out a little bit now now i feel more comfortable if there's just a movie that i want to talk about or a director filmmaker actor stunt person that i want to talk to i don't have to try and jam it into and justify some connection to scott adkins i can just talk to whoever i want or we can talk to whoever we want so this is now, you know, I rebranded the Twitter. It's now A4, the number four, A4E podcast on Twitter. Um, if you're already, if you are already following Adkins podcast, you don't have to do anything. But if you ha- aren't following us yet, you can follow us. Uh, we are also working on a new logo. Liam's taking care of that. He made me take pictures of myself, <laughs> which I hate. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh so yeah, so uh, Action for Everyone is now going to be this banner, and this is kind of something we talked about a little bit, but just for people who know, my vision for this podcast feed is to, down the road, 
way down the road is to actually create a network to give a home to all these other great podcasts that talk about action, like the cinema drunkies and, and, you know, and even some of the other ones like film feast and stuff like that, where they can all come and everybody can all just go to one feed, uh, talk film society, which I don't know if either of you guys are familiar with, but, uh, Marcelo Pico's talk film society is kind of, you know, one of my aspirations because he does a great job running a podcast network, uh, which I know nothing about how to do, but I will learn. Um, so anyway, yeah, we are rebranded. Action for Everyone is now the umbrella for all of this. And I think uh, another part of it that, again, uh, a little more down the line, um, but also something that I hope will take root. I've been I've been kind of reiterating this for the past few weeks that, you know, the action for everyone, the everyone is kind of the operative word here. So I do hope at some point as we have time and space to, branch out with like your know, guests or so forth or you know uh did you talk about that we can have the whole community at large be more of a part of this uh not just as passive listeners but as actual contributors in some way you know like uh be it through like conversations or um events like you know like for example um i have what i call the uh north by northeast film festival that's literally literally just me going out on a sunday i take math new jersey to a theater by myself and go watch like a Korean movie. But like, you know, like I, I want to do like things like that with other, you know, with other fans uh, to, you know, to get more involved. So yeah, I, I hope that at some point as, as we kind of get this thing going, we uh, get the more uh, cohesive, the whole uh, full picture of the for everyone experience. But again, this is all, you know, this is a uh, big, uh, big, big time strategy stuff going on, you know, but uh Again, you guys listening now, you're always going to be a part of this in some form or fashion. So I hope that continues. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought the same thing. And it was, it was actually, I remember when I went to see One Shot um, at, the, at the one theater at the one time that it had in LA. And I, I, was, I wish we had kind of organized something a little bit more broadly because I do know there's a, there's a pretty good, following of, uh, of of action for everyone fans and, and people out here i know there's those in new york so um it definitely you know hopefully omnicron is is a little bitch and we can yeah. move on and we can start meeting up and and watching action movies together which would be uh absolutely awesome and there may be even more things for action for everyone down the road um you know I got a galaxy brain over here and it's just, it's, uh, it's trying to bust out of my skull sometimes. Well, and that's, um, that's the thing, but... Liam, really quick. You and I both have, we have different galaxy brains, but we both have galaxy brains. Cause, cause I've also got like, because the thing vice, I want to tag onto what you said. The action arena is disturbingly lacking. I find in, writers of color uh female writers trans writers non-binary writers they're out there there there's plenty out there and they're friends of ours and they follow us and stuff but they don't always have an outlet or a place where they can talk about that stuff and you know the whole point of this is action like i don't care who you are there is joy in watching Scott Adkins kick a motherfucker in the head. And, and there needs to be outlets for people to be able to talk about the joy of kicking Scott Adkins, you know, Scott Adkins kicking a motherfucker in the head. 
that isn't yeah. just uh, IndieWire or whatever. Uh, going back to a couple of weeks ago with Liam wanting to throttle somebody for saying one shot wasn't his profession. Birdman. Um, so, you know, there's visions here of of trying to make this an inclusive space. Uh, and it's going to take us some time because this is none of our primary jobs. But I just want people to know we have ideas and we are working on it. I promise you that. And then that uh, we'll take it from there and we'll start the actual news slash trailers of the week. We got a lot this week and I uh, especially liked that people were just tagging us on ones that they wanted us to talk about on Twitter <laughs> because the, the, the less work and prep we have to do, the better. Like Mike said, we all have other stuff going on. It was like, we want you guys to talk about this. Um, we'll start with the new Statham and uh, Rich Joint Operation Fortune. There's a subtitle, but as you guys probably guessed by now, I'm terrible at anything that's not the most basic um, Boston bro English. Um, so I'm not going to try it. And uh, I'll you, get your thoughts on that one, if you Vice. You just went to the gym more, kid. Some... You'd be better. You'd be better at those accents if you just went to the gym more, kid. Just go to the gym. <laughs> you know, you don't have to worry about people's feelings. You just got to go to the gym. <laughs> you me up. So, someone on Twitter, uh, I don't, I forget the name. They posted a picture of a screen cap from this new trailer with uh, Jason Statham, Josh Hartnett, and uh, Aubrey Plaza, and like the tuxedo slash. Uh, uh, night uh, or evening gown, and they twist it side by side with The Rock, uh, and Gal Gadot, and Ryan Reynolds and Red Notice, and they and literally they're like identical suits and gowns, and so the person joked that oh great every movie is Red Notice Red Notice now, which you know just to be fair that's a funny joke, but to me it's like look at fucking Statham sticking it to fucking Dwayne so hard up in the crawl like it's like. I don't know if there was a real animosity or antagonism between them in like the uh, Fast and Furious films, but holy shit, like just to see that, like Statham kind of like, you know, do the one up, one up him like that, like watch this be an actually good movie <laughs> with this same kind of element and stuff, you know, and it's like, <laughs> I just laughed at so hard at that because, but beyond that though, yeah, this is it's a kind of a um, globe hopping uh, high slash uh, crew of professional dudes Doing things, Hugh Grant's there being weird again, which is always great. You, know, you got you got Man Sweat Dave. He, he's not Boy Sweat Dave anymore. He, he's a Man Sweat David now. Josh Hartnett making a comeback. So there's a lot of stuff going on there, you know. And and, and uh, you know, uh, so some of our actors who've been in recent uh, Richie joints kind of making a return, kind of showing he's like kind of has a crew in mind that he wants to work with a little more now, which is you know always a good thing. Um, yeah, it, I'm excited about this thing. It, it looks kind of, it looks, it looks like it's uh, tongue is firmly in cheek, but also like you know, it definitely has actual meat on its bones as well. So I'm excited to see where this goes. Well, I would say, I mean, look, I'm the like the red notice defender on here, but like it's not hard <laughs> to look better if you're just on a location, you know, like they, <laughs> the whole movie was filmed, you know, in, in a warehouse you know, with a green screen behind it. So fucking bread box would have filmed, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, if you have if you have another cast of handsome and beautiful people and they're actually, you know, in Malta or whatever, it's gonna look better. It just is. Um 
I, I always love the, I, I, there's a little bit of like an Argo thing to this that I, I dug with the, you know, kind of making fun of the actor and then putting him in the real situation. And it's great to see Hartnett, you know, back in, in a, in a movie like this. And yeah, I, 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 I sparked to the concept as well. Um, I don't, I don't think, I don't know what the consensus is on the gentleman. That's another one of those plane watches for me. So it was like perfectly great time. Uh, you know, a couple of Heineken's, uh, on a transatlantic flight. And I, I thought that was a fun movie. It feels like, uh, you know, Hugh Grant is kind of in the same, uh, like you were saying vibe as that. And, um, and Statham's, uh, you know, in his movie star mode. So yeah, count me in. So Josh motherfucking Hartnett, who I love to death because he's basically my age, uh, and and I loved him in H2O. I fucking love him in the faculty. Like guaranteed. Hey, wait, wait. Say H2O. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think my eyebrows just melted off. I was like, wait, what? I didn't know. I uh, love how he is great H2O. in the faculty. I've never seen H2O. I've never seen anyone say anything good about H2O. So yeah, those people are idiots. Halloween H2O is great. <laughs> yes. Um, Go off. Go off. I know it's fucking great. This is the problem with all the Halloween movies we've gotten lately is they're all just trying to replicate H2O because H2O is a perfect ending to the Halloween franchise. Um, but wow. nonetheless, we, we, need, we need a siren for like a hot take alert. We, no, here's the thing. We get, we get too hung up. We get too hung up on the fact that in both, H2O and the faculty Hartnett's hair was cut by a fluby and, and everybody just focuses on that. But no, I love Josh Hartnett. I think he got kind of done dirty, but I also love that he was had enough presence of mind post Pearl Harbor to be like, look, I'm a Minnesota kid. This fucking Hollywood shit's not for me. I'm moving back to Minnesota. I met my wife and now we're fucking off and moving to London and I'm not coming back to the States. Like I will make a movie when it's interesting and I don't have to leave Europe. And that's basically we, we get a Josh Hartnett movie now when those two categories are met. And I fucking, and I think this is a perfect role for him based on the trailer because he's a dreamy, good looking guy who you can also, and this is not an insult to him, but you can convincibly buy as kind of a dim movie star, right? Like he can, he can play that. We've all seen Lucky Number Slevin. Like we can buy Josh Hartnett as dim. Um, it, it, it's not that he's dim, but he knows how to play that well. Statham looks awesome. Uh, it looks to me like Richie is in man from uncle mode, which I will absolutely broach no slander about man from uncle because that movie is fucking great. And so if I get that out of this, like I'm, I'm, I'm flipping, I'm not going to lie. I'm flipping out for this movie. I had to go make my own Vince McMahon galaxy brain meme for this movie because that's how much I am like flipping out for this movie i you, cannot wait for this one you're an Aub you you seem like an aubrey plaza guy too i am who isn't an aubrey plaza guy like well, like, well put well put yeah. like, yeah. i just could tell though but i just want to set but, you up i'm just I'm, I'm throwing up lobs just dunk 
But Duncan. Aubrey Plaza taking the piss out of Jason Statham is a whole new level of Aubrey Plaza awesomeness. Like, like just the opening when she's like, when when he comes out and he's like, I thought you said it'd be clear. And she's like, I said the front would be clear. Like, like, oh my God, I cannot wait to, because I will say one of my favorite Statham performances is Spy. Because I love that he's Statham, but the entire movie is how much piss can we take out of Jason Statham for two hours? And, uh, and like, and Statham's a sport about it, but he's also the Stath. He, he's confident enough that he will let you make fun of him and still be Jason Statham because he's like, well, yeah, I'll still punch you in the throat when we're done with all of this, you know? And like, man, I am so fucking all in on this movie. I can't even describe it. Yeah. Uh, last thing I want to say for, uh, uh, for the cast uh, so like i mentioned before in the, in the gentleman uh so this is the actor well the rapper slash actor bugsy malone he's one of the uh, british kind of grime rappers but he's pretty famous in his own right his own fields so he was in the gentleman as one of the uh one of the the, the orphans the uh, boxer kids you know uh, under uh uh, uh you know, in, in the gym there under colin farrell's character and he had a great presence in that movie he, he's like <laughs> I forgot he's about a tough yeah, he's a tough, like, he's a, he's like, he looks muscular and physical and tough. Like, he can actually, like, move and fight well. So, he, it seems like in this movie now here, uh, he, he has a pretty prominent role as a part of, part of the crew. So, I'm really interested to see uh, where, where he takes it, see if he can, you know, capitalize on that. Because, uh, you know, again, like, uh, we always talk about, um, I, you know, I hear now that, you know, there's no more, like, actor, no more, no more action guys, no more tough guys. You know, like, they're all kind of old now and we're just recycling the same people. So, to actually have, like, real, actual, literal, fresh blood. And the uh, action, you know, movie genre stuff, it's, it's always a good thing, especially with a guy like this. You know, he has the, the charm and the skill um, to, pull, I think, pull it off. So, yeah, I want to see uh, what he does with this. Looking forward to it a lot. Well, and he stands out in the trailer. Like, yeah. you you can't not notice him in the trailer. He he makes a, a significant impression. And also, yeah, Hugh Grant, like... Come on, I, I, Vice. I know you're not the biggest fan of it, but Hugh Grant in Paddington Two has completely reinvigorated. <laughs> it's my just, love it's of a Hugh perfect Grant. target to make fun of. That's yeah. what and Vice is very good at seeing those. Um, <laughs> he's like, who is no? Where is no one else firing? Yeah. He's like, there. I see a safe corner of the internet. I'm gonna fucking. <laughs> Light a shotgun blast up at it, blow that teddy bear's head off. The but fucking I, teddy bear talks. He's like a fucking. He's like he's like the respectability part of the six teddy bear. We're all supposed to be nice and good and stuff. We got fucking you know maggots or whatever trying to take over the earth, take over Britain. You know there and he get to that. Oh, just be nice. It'll be, it'll be the world will be good. No fuck that. Load up the shoddy. Let's get shit done, Paddington. Anyway, Bugs even alone. You got that shit, man. Looking forward to that shit. Bust Hugh Grant's ass, man. I do have to shout out I, I and I don't have my phone in front of me so I can't look it up but there is somebody that I follow on Twitter who for the last year maybe two years has been uh, photoshopping Paddington into other <laughs> movies and it is one of the most brilliant like Twitter feeds uh, that I've seen because he's photoshopping him into shit like Den of Thieves and <laughs> Heat and stuff like that. And they're pretty good too. They're pretty they're, good. They're fantastic. <laughs> like he's really good at what he does. Um, but anyway, Hugh Grant rules. Guy Ritchie rules. Uh, fuck it. This is, I'm, 
I am all on board for this movie. I cannot fucking wait. Yeah. So the next trailer we'll talk about, and I don't know how deep you guys want to get into. I, I've been trying to keep this stuff at arm's length um, because I'd love to be able to go and watch the new Matrix movie without getting IndieWire's opinion of it beforehand. That would, that would be a, a, what I prefer. Um, but the, the I love trailer... the Indi- I love the indie wires just somehow become our punching bag. <laughs> well, you know, one of them, one of the people at IndieWire wrote a bad review of the raid too, so that they're an enemy of action for everyone. <laughs> Let's just be honest. <laughs> <laughs> like, gotta, you know, yeah. you gotta get, you gotta have enemies yeah. in this yeah. world. Yeah. It's yeah. not. <laughs> I'm with you. I get it. <laughs> so we'll just, you know, we'll just put that out there. Um, uh, you know, you're either with us or against us on the raid too. Uh, <laughs> um, so the the new Matrix trailer, it feels like they're starting to pull the, you know, the secrets and and reveal more and more about it. I'm still trying to like untrain my brain and, and stay as fresh as possible and uh and, and just you know incredibly excited to watch it uh i mean god is it next week yeah the 20 a couple yeah like maybe a little over 10 days now yeah it's oh yeah yeah next week next uh, wednesday 22nd jesus christ uh yeah it's uh, yeah um it's hard to there's so much that has been said about the matrix but also, I think, and and its impact culturally, globally, not just like cinematic impact, but actual culture, you know. But and there's fascinating things to say about that. Uh, to it, like you know, the way the term "red pill" has kind of been used. Uh, you know, this work of art from these, uh, you know, kind of uh, progressive and trans uh, artists getting co-opted by you know, kind of these. Uh, conservative fascist forces that's a fascinating kind of phenomenon on its own then you then you turn the whole the actual text of the films and but philosophy and and, and control and, oh you know so i i almost want to i almost feel like i'm getting too gassed up on this stuff you know on, on the trailer because like it's you know, I I've read, uh, read some uh, articles, interviews with uh, uh, Lana, which I think it was, who had, and she said like, you know, she had, she was in a bad place, and so she kind of brought uh, some bad tragedy in her life. So she kind of brought back the Matrix, the, the characters Neil, to like help her do some stuff, and in turn, doing so made a really good script, script that she's really able to put out into the world again. So in one, in some regard, it's almost like uh, I'm I'm a little cautious to like jump back into this world of this this massive pop cultural thing and uh, and i wonder if some of some of the personal parts of it will get lost uh but you know it's just again it's, just, it's such a massive thing that there's so many things to think of so many ways to think about it and come at it um but again like i say like, i just i don't want to overhype myself i'm trying to, i want to be uh i want to kind of come in as fresh as i can not so much spoiler wise but just like uh emotionally like i want to i want to see where are these characters, where the writer, where the director, where they're at, you know, because I know it's it's been a while, and uh, uh, as as to come a bit more like as an experience between like a relationship, I guess you could say, because you know again it, it's these films have done so much for so many, for good and ill. So yeah, I want I want to kind of come like that rather than the I don't want I don't need this to be the best martial arts blockbuster in the past twenty years or like the groundbreaking uh thing that brings cinema back, quote unquote. I don't need or want that. I just want, I want to see these, you know, see them, see them again, see 
we'll get reacquainted and uh, see where it takes us. Yeah, so for me, I um, I always had a love. I, I mean, obviously, I loved The Matrix, um, but I always had a bit of a love-hate relationship with the Wachowskis. And, and this one, we should be clear, is Lana only. Lily is not part of this. Um, and then I watched Sense8 on Netflix. And I'm not going to lie, that fucking show changed my world. Like... It was like the Rosetta Stone for the Wachowskis and all the things that they had done in their movies that I was just kind of like, these are weird decisions. I finally figured out, no, they're not. I just thought of them as action directors and they're not. What they are is like incredibly sentimental, uh, open-hearted people and they believe in the right to love and fuck whoever you want and the right to beat the shit out of whoever is trying to stop you from loving and fucking whoever you want and that kind of like clicked something for me to where I immediately became a fan of the Matrix sequels uh, because I all of a sudden realized that, like, they're not about kicking ass. They're about love. And and every movie of theirs is all about love uh, and loving who you want and being and being this, like, authentic person, like authenticity in identity. And so I'm with you guys. I'm not trying to hype myself up too much. And I'm expecting, based on, like I did, all their stuff, it's may not hit with me the first time I watch it, but here's what I am fairly confident in saying in two to three years, I'm going to be flipping shit about this movie. I am just going to absolutely fucking love this movie. Cause the first time I watched sense eight, I was like, I don't even know what this show is. I've now watched that entire series like five times. <laughs> um, you know, so it's just, sometimes it takes me a while, but I am, I am really looking forward to this. I am trying to keep my expectations in check. I do think um, if you guys don't follow Richard Newby on Twitter, uh, you should. He's a great writer. Uh, he tweeted a couple of days ago about how the mere existence of the Matrix movies is kind of a miracle, and somebody decided to be a fucking bag of douche in his mentions about it. Um, but he's not wrong. Like... These Lana and Lily made Bound, and then they somehow were able to make the fucking Matrix. And Warner Brothers has continued to give them carte blanche to make, like, like Speed Racer exists, right? Like yeah. we haven't all like hallucinated <laughs> that Speed Racer exists. That's a real fucking movie that was yeah. in theaters, and so I'm just I'm excited to see what Lana does with this one. And from action fans, like, Jean Aiden is Keanu's stunt double. It's a combination of 8711 and Plan B and the team that did the stunts on Sense8 doing the action on this. Are you fucking kidding me? If you're an action fan and you're not excited to see what they do on this, I I, I can't help you. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. 
it almost in some way I do get I am wary of like a modern stories of like going back to the back to where it all began and like the 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 sense of nostalgia in all things kind of is probable and sometimes can be grating. But you know, I I, I have some there's a level of trust here with like I want to see what comes with this. And uh, but like, as you said, like you know, there's also again a lot of new blood to this by necessity, but also by the the the, the blood they're in. You know, it's it's just like a handwake. You know, like a there's a great cast to this. Uh, so you know, I'm so happy to I'm happy and anxious to see what they do with this uh this kind of reinvigorated spirit. You know, in the flesh, it's, it's gonna be great. Oh, I didn't know this was our time to like sound mm-hmm. off on how much we love the Wachowskis. So let me uh, let me get my space. You know, get, 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 block me out here. Um, so I actually like fucking loved uh, Reloaded the first time I saw it. And I went to see it, I think, twice. And then I was convinced that there was a matrix within the matrix. I, I was all on the message boards and I was running on those theories. And I'm even more convinced that they left probably two, maybe $300 million on the table by not just doing the Lord of the Rings thing and releasing it the next summer. People don't remember, but it came out. Reloaded was the biggest movie of the year domestically, I'm pretty sure. And and then they released the third one like four months later. It was just such an ambitious ahead of its time campaign from the fact that there is pivotal pivotal information to that story in the animatrix if you don't know that the humans started the war then the end of revolutions doesn't feel the same the first time you see it and enter the matrix like don't forget there's pivotal information in a fucking video game yeah and so and and i mean i used to just roll my eyes at people that like would come into hydraulics in like 2000 11 through like 2015 and they'd be like transmedia transmedia and they're like here's my fucking script and it's gonna go to all these different mediums and i'm like man you know if there's only the biggest properties in the world can pull off a transmedia story like you can't just like think you're gonna organically grow that on your original script i don't know it's possible maybe i'm a little jaded but like if the matrix could kind of, they pulled it off, like they got it all made, but did it all connect and within the time to tell the story, I, it was all too crammed in. Um, I think Star Wars and Lucasfilm now and, and Marvel now, where they, the way that they're pacing out a transmedia story in both those properties is probably about the amount of time it takes for the audience to process it. But if they had just held off on revolutions and let everybody check out reloaded on video and get hungry for a year, get hyped like we did with Lord of the Rings. And then revolutions came out the following summer on the same date as reloaded. I think it has a much bigger opening, a much bigger ending because the movie, despite any, even myself where I came into the third one, think there was going to be a matrix in a matrix. There's going to be all this other shit. It still is such a goddamn good blockbuster that I remember coming out of it and still thinking it was a masterpiece. And, um, getting in fights in my college class my college writing class people would be like no they dropped the ball and i'm like like raging out um but yeah and then you know um i i think of that property of of everything they've done i haven't seen sensei but the one that connected with me the most like the first time i took uh i think we were just dating then 
my, my wife to speed racer. We went to like on the, it was in the IMAX screen, but it wasn't an IMAX presentation. And um, it fucking blew my mind. I'd never seen anything like it. I waited till like the exact right age to show my oldest son who is car obsessed. And I just remember him watching the end race and his hands literally going limp and like the car in his hand, the speed racer car in his hand, like falling to the floor. And he was like, I've never seen racing like this. And I was like, it's no one's ever done it like this. Um, so yeah, I, I could, I could, uh, I, I could just talk about the joy of, of some of their just, just pure, amazing technical and action filmmaking all day because uh, and, and I think that that's what we're talking about getting overhyped and all that stuff. It's like, because the matrix is such a masterpiece and works on so many different levels, everyone kind of goes in like worrying about it coming to that. I, I actually feel like I don't think there's a version of this movie. I'm not going to enjoy because of where I'm at in my life and where I'm just like, if this helped her and this and Keanu wanted to do it and all these people got together and make something like, I just want to see what you guys did. I'm not, going to sit here and be um you know the arbiter of their success um and i think that's a kind of a good attitude to go into most movies in general it doesn't mean they're always going to work for you and um but i'm, I'm definitely hopeful and uh in any case it's just really really awesome to see that everybody got together like you know at this point in time because i think it was important for keanu to get the john wick movies you know revolutions is 2003 he kind of was in the wilderness for seven years and he, he made some interesting movies he made some things that and then the fact that john wick i mean i think it's 2010 am i right 2011 or is it 2014 oh it's 14 so he's in the wilderness much longer uh it, that the fact that he then like kind of came back and obviously i'm thinking i'm back we all think about that he gets this other trilogy under his belt uh, he kind of reclaims the action king championship belt and then goes back to the matrix. I feel like it's all, you know, very perfect timing for him. And it's a nice symmetry to see him kind of come full circle. All right. I think I'm done with my Wachowski and, and, and matrix hype. So uh, <laughs> I just, I, I do want to say, I really cannot recommend sensate highly enough to everybody. Um, I, I absolutely adore it. Um, I, I just think it's the best thing the Wachowskis have ever done. Um, and it's everything that they have wanted to say in all their work. Uh, so just, yeah, shout out. And also, uh, shout out if you were on Twitter, you also saw Keanu absolutely bodying that Verge writer about NFTs this week, which was fucking delightful. Like, he just ethered that guy into oblivion. So, uh, I retweeted it, so follow me and you can see it. Yeah, that was great. Oh, oh one more quick point, though. Um, I want to say, like, uh, you know, the, the Wachowskis and this probably means so much to so many people, but also, like, uh, it's also okay, like, you know, it's been 20 years, so, of course, the whole generation is, uh, you know, kind of Experience this, experience this, and uh, you know, there's a lot of like weird, weird, uh, weird combativeness, I think, uh, between like the Gen Z slash millennial stuff, you know, on film Twitter and so forth. So, like, but well, my, my point to this is that, um, it's okay if you see this and it's okay that it's weird that you may not like either. It's like, they're not like infallible guys, also, of cinema, also, like, uh, with uh, Cloud Atlas, you know, there's a uh, one of my <laughs> I always kind of joking because there's a uh, you know, it's all about the racial and 
sexual uh, gender fluidity and changing the identities over time and space. You know, yeah, yeah, that's that's the point of the movie. But like, I always laugh at you know, there's a there's Shaft Keith David in one timeline or one era. And then there's a Kwai Chang Kane Keith David in another. I'm like, mm, I, I'm not feeling this, but you know, I, I I get where your heart is, you know. But like, but it's a, it's okay, like it's okay to, to be weird because in the end of the, at the end of the day, you know, like that, it's all it's all sincere from the heart. It might not land with you all the way, but you know, yeah, that's, that's that's part of the art. That's part of art and artists is uh they get to be missed like that sometimes. You know, you just gotta like, you know, just meet meet meet, meet them uh meet, meet each other where they are, and you know, just kind of just go go with it or not. You know, it's it's, it's okay. It's like yeah, it's like a. I'm looking forward to being as messy as it might be brilliant as well. So we'll see. Yeah, no, that's that's perfect. They're they're messy. They 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 don't always hit, but you gotta meet them on their own terms. I love that you said that. Like Cloud Atlas is messy and it is problematic as fuck. <laughs> um but they're coming at it from a place of sincerity and so you got to give them, you don't have to forgive them. You don't have to be okay with it, but at least meet them on those terms and be like, okay, your intentions might've been right, but man, you fucking missed on this. Do better <laughs> next time. Uh, that that's fine. There's nothing wrong with saying that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, I think the matrix is going to be messy. I don't think it's going to be perfect. I don't think it's going to be this amazing we've never seen. I think it's going to be a mess. But I think within that mess, there are going to be threads and strands and things that we are going to be able to pull from. What you, you, I don't know why I'm trying to say what you just said, Vice. You said it perfectly. <laughs> it's going to be messy and it's going to be brilliant. And that's exactly the way the Wachowskis should be. I yeah. want them fucking messy. I love that they're messy. Please do not make them. Don't don't give them a Marvel movie. Please just do not give the Wachowskis a Marvel movie. That is all I'm saying. I do not want them condensed into this box. Let them be sloppy and messy and all of that sort of stuff. All right. And coming up from The Matrix, we've got RRR, Rise, Roar, Revolt, the uh, our good friend Alex Rayo, uh, head exposure on Twitter is flipping the fuck out about this movie, and I actually hadn't watched the trailer until today. Um, and I watched it today, and I understand why he's flipping the fuck out about it. Um, Vice and I are fairly familiar with Indian cinema, um, but. Liam, I know you are not. So first, I want to talk to you about this trailer, and then we're going to talk about another movie. But what did you think of the RRR trailer? Um, well, I'm gonna. I I feel like there's there's fun to be had on this topic because I think you can kind of gently rib action Twitter on this on both sides, and it's, and it because there's a lot of stuff that the Indians do that if we did it in American movies, you guys would complain about. And like they overly use CG, they overly use color correction. They light this shit bright as hell. They go so all out, so aggressive. And I feel like, you know, if American movie does that, everyone's like, oh, this is dog shit. And 
I, I obviously see that they're kind of pushing their language and it's all coming from a different place. But my initial experience from watching the trailer was like, I didn't really get it. And so I said, okay, like, where do I start? What do I watch to make me understand why everyone's so excited about this? Yeah. Uh, well, I think one of the big issues were Indian cinema is massive. I think that's probably the biggest point that everyone who's not familiar with it needs to understand up front. It's been for decades. There's, you know, hundreds of thousands of, maybe hundreds of movies a year, like at a volume or rate greater than Hollywood and most other uh, film industries around the world. Uh, more so, more, more than that though, it's not, Indian cinema is not just Bollywood. All of the India itself is made up of different uh, ethnic regions or sub-regions sub, sub stuff. So you have like a Telugu cinema, you have all these kinds of different uh, 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 ethnic conclaves that have their own cinematic production uh, uh, region areas. So to the average American person who's never you know seen any movie, this can be a uh, seemingly impenetrable or daunting thing to try to try to cover. Um, you know, which, which is fair, you know, because like again, like in, in because these the movies being about the people, you know, their, their stories, there's so many stories stories to tell. It can be seem uh, overwhelming. Um, but that said, they all kind of. I think the one thing they have all in common. And the one thing that, that stands out for other people from Latin, uh, from around the world is that the sense of spectacle is second to none. Like there's a certain, the, the, the verve and the the color, the pop and the, the motion. It's a very distinct kind of thing that again, even with the different subregions of cinema, they all kind of share that feeling that that is ultimately unlike anything else uh, around, the wor- in any, around the world. So um, in some sense, you can kind of just... In, you can dive in at any point or anywhere you see. Uh, I know uh, Amazon Prime has a lot of uh, Indian films as well, but also and, and again and also with that though, you know, there's um, the Indian cinema as a whole has its fair share of act, uh, more serious, more dramatic, more uh, conventional, quote unquote, cinema as well. You know, the famously probably the most famous Indian films of all around the world is the. Uh, the Apu trilogy, you know, these are groundbreaking landmark cinema, cinematic entries on power, you know, Kurosawa or Fellini, or, you know. Um, but so, yeah, like that, that again, again, that shows the spectrum, the breadth of new cinema that, that it's so vast. And, but, yeah, but like I said, you, you can kind of just jump in and dive in and it's just, uh, you'll be kind of good wherever you are. But just that's it, like I said, because it's uh, culturally distinct as well, you might kind of get lost in translation, some of the stuff. So, yeah, so that all said, um, for my part, part of my dive into it was, uh, you know, as I said, I'm a kind of a, I'm a war film historian in a sense. I my whole my whole gig is, you know, my, my whole thing is, uh, I watch modern war films from around the world to get a sense of their politics and their society, the culture, and how the current state of global warfare, how it affects them and how they in turn affect it. And so um, I've seen several uh, uh, recent uh, war films from India, from the various regions, you know, and, and like things from China or Korea, there's a lot of uh, nationalism and a lot of uh, you know, patriarchy, you know, these, these, these are very red-blooded, as we would say, 
uh, macho kind of war films, but they have a, something distinct that they're trying to say that they're revealing about themselves, which is really fascinating to me. So, uh, so in this case, we have here uh, Rise, Rose, Rise, Roar, Revolt. This movie, it's, this is based on uh, two real life, um, you could say, freedom fighters uh, during the uh, early twentieth century. Uh, these two people, Aluri uh, uh, Sitarama Raju, uh, and uh, Komaran Beam, these are real people who uh, fought against the British Empire in the early 20th century. So it's a movie based on that history. So just just knowing, just having that kernel of knowledge, like you can kind of get a sense of how kind of important, in a way, culturally this, this might be for for Indian peoples, for, for Telugu people. Um, but also, you, you kind of then you can understand why it seems there seems to be so much like money and resources and 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 and, and cinematic horsepower in this fucking thing from the trailer. Like this is an all-out, full-bore, massive spectacle kind of a kind of movie that I really, you know, that, that that we we even now we don't see too often, but the, that you know Indian city has perfected. So um so yeah that I, my whole thing was like um uh, it's in, as with any cinema from around the world, it's important to at least recognize or be cognizant of the cultural weight that they have uh, for their internal audience and also what that means for people around the world. And I, I, I'm pretty sure, I think uh, the director here, you know, he, he's uh, famous for the uh, Babuli movies that we can get into later on, or, you know, like this seems to be very intentionally, like they want the world to see, this is what Indian cinema has to offer. And uh, yeah, of course, from this trailer, that's fucking, they got it, man. This is, <laughs> this is like the, this is like the movie to see in 2022 looks like. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I just, in the in the radio terms, my uh, my opening there was a tease. There's there's a happy ending to this story. You know, I was saying my initial uh, is that the aesthetic is jarring to someone who hasn't seen it in context. I think, and so I'm just putting it out there. If you're like me, a uh, a boring um, white guy from New England, and you see this and you go, "Why is everybody like this? This this seems crazy." Um, you know, I, I put it to uh, to Vice and and Mike to say, you know, where should I start on this? Like, what? How do I how do I get into this headspace? And Mike said, uh, War on Prime, um, that which I had heard of Tiger um, just from you know the various uh, websites that we follow. Like, and I, I'd seen that he was attached to a Rambo remake, so he was familiar. I did not know that the, the Indian um, Hugh Jackman slash Frank Grillo, uh, Mike, could you give me uh, his name? Rithik Rosan. Yeah, I did not know this guy existed. And so I sat back and I watched this yesterday and um, I, and it, it opens with a literal double headshot assassination. It's a pretty down and dirty anti-terrorism plot. Um, then we we meet Tiger. Um, they're doing sort of an extreme oneer action scene where there's a lot of whip pans blended in, but it's good choreo and it's good kills and it's like okay, you know, it. I, I I see what they're doing here. This is a lot of fun. Uh, then <laughs> then our then our man uh, Rithrock comes Rithic. Uh, he comes off of a chopper. And I was like, what the fuck am I watching? That was when the movie really came alive. And I remember being like, wait, is this is this intentionally homoerotic or is this just 
Because I and, and I think that that was the key to being open. Like just because that reads it in our cinematic language, I didn't assume that that's what they were going for. And it turns out they kind of aren't. But if you like the the only thing I could say is that it's almost like if you did like uh, like the the actors that could pull this off in a Western thing, it would be like if they had played Baywatch for real, like if they really played it like no jokes. Like Zac Efron is like fucking crying to Dwayne Johnson in every scene. And then they had amazing action. Like that's kind of like the, the vibe of the, but we don't really deal in American media. Like if there's anything um, that's supposed to be serious, it's like it's ripped of any sort of like glitzy artifice. And so we, we don't like to like have these flavors overlap the way they do. And so that's what's interesting about it as I started watching more and more of this movie and seeing what they were doing is that like almost every scene is played at a 10. It is a, either, you know, emotionally devastating or bros are brought together and they're clasping arms and like there is everything is up. It is in, uh, down to the color correction, you know, like they're obviously going in to the irises of everybody's eyes and bumping the fucking shit out of the color out of their eyes so that their eyes are like popping they're like breaking the pixels on your on your screen it's crazy so uh, to me it's just like it, it is a completely different style of aesthetic and it takes a, a little bit getting used to but then once you kind of lock into the wavelength and these dudes all of a sudden they they go on a really cool anti-terrorism plot about 30 minutes into this movie they kill a bunch of people everybody the good guys win and uh and and tiger proves himself to his his new mentor who by the way we learned shot his traitorous father in each eyeball uh, <laughs> they decide to have a fucking dance party and it's the greatest dance scene like i don't know that i've seen on a movie like it's like, like when you're talking about the spectacle that they do, like it, it makes me understand like when I watch something like Aladdin with the kids and I'm like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. And and other people be like, oh, those dance scenes were terrible. And I'm like, oh, it didn't bother me. It's like, okay, now I see like in comparison, you know, or like <laughs> you got a $200 million Disney movie and people are just kind of like phoning in the, you know, the two-step. And then you see these guys are blasting each other with colored powder and, and like literally flying through the air. And, and, and they're, they're just naturally such good dancers. That's why I was like, I don't even know how to feel about it. I feel like these guys are um, like unattainable levels of male perfection. Like I'm used to seeing a guy who's really buff. I'm used to seeing a guy who can dance. Like the only person who's like in this wheelhouse to me is, is really Hugh Jackman. He's the only person that, in, in the Western media who can like do everything that they're doing in this. He could, he could go into a Bollywood movie tomorrow and like, he could, he could handle it. Like, and I actually do think Zac Efron belongs in Bollywood and he should just leave Hollywood and go there. He Channing, become, Channing he Tatum be could too. Channing Tatum with his dancing skills and his acting skills. He, but he's, he's, the, Channing a, Tatum's a good call. Okay. Yeah. So that, that, that's, we do a shot for shot remake with Hugh Jackman, Channing Tatum, and Zac Efron. Uh, and if you know the twist, you know there's room for three people. But 
I also had a crazy idea when I was watching this because they're doing English like every scene has like a phrase in English. And I, I'm, I was talking to um, one of my friends on Twitter about um, th this movie. Uh, let me try to find his name so I, I can give him a little bit of credit. But uh, Tamal uh, Kundan, who lives in India, and I was asking him dumb American questions about this the whole time. But I was like, is anybody just like done alt takes and just done an English version of this? Because like they don't really need an English remake because these guys speak perfect English. Um, but maybe that's like the hack movie producer of me. I'm like, you can sell it twice. <laughs> like, what are you guys doing? Um, but yeah, it, it, to me, it was, uh, it, it definitely unlocked it. And, and by, I mean, if you haven't seen this movie by the, the midpoint, it's a very novelistic as, approach as, uh, as Matt Feeney said on Twitter, it, it's going back and forth in time and giving you these different chunks but the last 40 minutes or so are where it didn't have to go that hard. It didn't have to go that John Woo. And it literally does like, like a speedball of like three John Woo movies <laughs> and like, like one after another and like gets drunk and falls down. And I, I enjoyed the hell out of that. Um, you know, anytime you just like throw a little pepper of face off onto a plot, it's, uh, it's always a great time. Um, so yeah, I definitely came around by the end and then I rewatched the trailer and I'm rewatching all things. I'm like, I, I get it now. So thank you film Twitter. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, vice. And thank you, Mike, for, um, for, for uh, giving me this baptism. And so that I have a, a fuller appreciation for worldwide cinema. Yeah. I mean, I, um, so I will, I will fully admit. So Vice, you brought it up, you know, Indian cinema isn't just Bollywood. It's actually kind of bananas. It would be like if we had Hollywood and then Dallas had its own film industry and New York had its own film industry and Chicago had its own film industry. I'm fairly comfortable with my familiarity with Bollywood, but... Telugu and Tamil and some of the others I'm I'm just not as familiar with. And RRR, taking it back to what started this, is a uh, I believe a Telugu film, and um, and I'm just not quite as familiar on those. But Bollywood, and in particular the movies of Rithik Rosan, because the movie that got me into Indian cinema was Doom Two, D H O O M. Uh, it's a trilogy of movies from from YRJ uh, or YRF. I apologize. Films uh, that the idea was they're they're basically their version of sort of bad boys. But all three movies, the main star is actually the villain, and in all three, they have a new mega star as the villain. The first one's John Abraham. The second one's Rithik Roshan. The third one's Amir Khan, and I had known, uh, like, I had seen, I the first actual Indian movie I think I saw was Lagan, because that was nominated for Best Picture in 2000, 2001, somewhere around there. But I didn't anticipate that they could do action the way that they do, and that they would go so fucking hard when they decide to go hard. And what I really realized was Rithik Rosan is the guy who goes hardest. He is the the Hugh Jackman of Bollywood cinema. 
and um, I have seen I haven't seen all of his movies because he's made five thousand three hundred and twenty six, but I've seen several, and I love a bunch of them. And so, a couple years ago, I had also discovered Tiger Shroff, who is disliked by a lot of people because he's a pretty boy, he's a product of nepotism. When he does his martial arts, because he's a dancer, he looks like he's trying to, like, ballet kick people to death rather than actually kick them. But nonetheless, I cannot take my guy, my eyes off the fucking guy when he's on screen. So when I saw War was coming out, I'm like, inject that shit into my veins. And, yeah, you make it 15 minutes into this fucking movie and you're not all in. I, I don't, fix your heart, man. Like, the amount of slow motion here and in Indian cinema has this thing they call it hero cinema where the whole idea is to take these mega famous actors and just hook them the fuck up like how can we make them look as cool as we possibly can you know vice I know you've seen the boggy movies like like those movies are literally exist to make tiger Shroff look as cool as we fucking can and I think war maybe does it better than damn near any Indian movie I've ever seen. Like, but it's also a perfect gateway. There's only what two or three musical numbers, because that's something that turns a lot of people off to Indian cinema and the musical numbers that there are, you know, Liam, you pointed out the one where they're dancing and my favorite entire scene in the movie is that musical number. Tiger comes in, does all his high flying shit. And then it cuts to Rithik. And he comes in dancing, and he's got his hands in his pockets, but his yeah. lower limbs are so made of fucking jelly that he's doing all this shit with his feet while his hands are in his pockets, and you can't, you you just no, as you just people aren't supposed to be good at this many things. Yeah, that's what bothers me. About yeah, it. it's it's <laughs> that's why I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. I feel pretty <laughs> inadequate. So <laughs> it's, it's quite little. It's uh, quite possibly the coolest a human being has ever looked on film. Yeah, I'd say so. You know, we, we got, you know, Tony Leong and, you know, Chai Young Fat. You know, we have these icons, but like, this is fucking up there, man. It's it's, it's crazy. Now, yeah. I mean, I, I it's funny you're saying about like Channing Tatum and look, I look, this is, this goes into a, a, it's almost a little bit like a bigger meta conversation about action. And I'm speaking to straight dudes now. Is that like, we're talking about how there's always a little bit of element of, of fascism in your action. There's always a little bit of element of homoeroticism in action. And if you're going to be like, oh, th- th- those guys, they're, they're looking at each other too much. I'm uncomfortable. It's like, man, you got to really examine like some of the base things about what we like about this stuff, because, you know, it, it's sexuality. It, it's a spectrum. Do whatever you're comfortable with, like whatever you're comfortable with, but don't let like the toxic masculinity of be like, oh, I can't take that these guys are all oiled up and the camera's lingering on their triceps too long. Like, it, like that's a you problem. Like you have to kind of embrace the fact that like, hey, man, I, I, I remember and I, this is speaking to myself because I was, you know, um, my, my older brother was like uh, he's, he went to Juilliard for acting. He's an actor. But I was and I was the younger, more jockish one. I, was obsessed with Arnold Schwarzenegger wrestling football. And I would like a good night for me in high school was like getting a good workout so I could watch Monday night raw with a pump. <laughs> I was like, oh, I feel pumped and I'm watching raw with the pump. This is a great night. And I remember my brother just being like, like, like calling me out on it that I'm like all this macho dude. He's like, you literally like to like 
like wear a tank top and watch dudes like pretend to fight each other on TV. And I was like, Hey, wait a minute. What are you trying to say by that? And it's like, yeah, I do. And I did. And you have to kind of like embrace that fact that like there is an element to that and just accept it and recognize that as part of yourself because you have, you have a feminine part of yourself. You have a masculine part of yourself and you have to embrace all of yourself. And it's so great about getting older. I can't recommend getting older enough. Uh, like being on set in, from in my late thirties compared to my twenties and like looking at the actor's face and being like, Oh no, I, I don't like, I don't like that makeup. And like, let's, let's deal with his beard a different way. And like, I want to make him look hot. <laughs> like, what, what am I talking about? And it's like, well, you know, you want them to be attractive and you, they, and, and ultimately it's like, I want him to be attractive. And what is the filter I'm using? Me. So this is, this is all part of who we are. And I think um, their culture is, is coming at it from a completely different place where they have different comfort levels with men looking hot and shining. And so I think in the US, it's like, you know, people get uncomfortable if like Zac Efron just comes out like ripped as hell and like looks at the camera and doesn't make fun of himself. Same as Channing Tatum. It's like, if they do that, they have to make fun of themselves to undercut it. Or Americans are like, yo, what's going on here? Like Chris Hemsworth, make fun of yourself, please. I'm feeling too inadequate. And so I think, um, you know, people are saying, why is Indian cinema not as popular in the U.S.? It's like, well, we have this, we have a toxic masculinity issue in the U.S. And we can't deal with men just like shining like diamonds. Like, and, and whether they're straight, gay, bisexual, whatever, but they're just like shining in a way that's different than the traditional Clint Eastwood way that like action movie guys are comfortable with. Yeah. And so. Sorry, go ahead, Liam. Sorry. No, I, I think, I think there's a good place for you to come in because I think I'm at the end of it and I'm not really sure how clear I'm being. I'm just saying like, don't let that shit like prevent you from having joy in your life and kind of seeing these things. Don't like uncross your arms is really my, 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 my bit of, uh, of advice for straight dudes, especially as you get older, get more comfortable, like in your life, just uncross your arms and be like, okay, I get it. I get it. They're seeing that they're doing different things. Like Michael Bay straight guy goes to, goes to Will Smith and says, you got to take your shirt off for the scene. I'm going to make you a movie star. Where, where did that come from? It's like, you got to embrace these different parts of your personality and different parts of your life. Don't be a toxic uh, masculine bro. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. We're talking about two actors that are peak physical beauty here, right? In this movie, like peak physical perfection, peak physical beauty. Um, But also I don't think the movie's not, unintentionally homoerotic because there's literally a scene in the movie where there's a female character that tells uh Rithik's character uh uh Khalid or no Kabir that she'll elope with him whenever he wants whenever he wants her to and Tiger Shroff's Kabir is in the back of the car and he goes can I get in line like like <laughs> this movie knows exactly what it's doing it's putting two of the most beautiful men on the face of the earth together in a movie and but they're also so just fucking cool like they're so cool in this movie um it's it's just and i miss that because i think about you know i tweeted out earlier what would be a comparison 
to two stars this huge starring in a movie in the U.S. And I threw out Tom Cruise and Chris Evans, if they starred in a movie together. And and people threw out some older movies like Face Off and Tango and Cash and The Jackal. But, and those are all spot on. But the problem is, what would it look like now? Like, who would we put in a movie now? I mean, almost arguably Cop Shop. I guess you got you got Gerard Butler and Frank Grillo, but it's but they're not but but Carnahan doesn't hook them up the way that Rithic and Tiger are hooked up in this movie to look just they look like fucking movie stars. That's the best way I can describe it. That's what I love about Indian cinema is we have movie stars and we're gonna make them look like fucking movie stars um one rithic rosan movie i want to really recommend is called bang bang it's a remake of james mangold's night and day and it is 500 percent better than night and day uh <laughs> for a variety of reasons but one of which is fucking rithic rosan is just up he out tom cruise's tom cruise in that movie which was one of my takeaways was like, I like how many times has, has Vin Diesel tried to get him into the fast movies? Like, why wasn't he in Eternals? Like, I, I, I again, because these guys speak perfect English, but uh, I'm such a, um, you know, a, a novice here. I was just kind of asking questions like, is it considered a step down? For them to do a Western film, if they're not the star, I mean, I'm sure it's it's not going to be as good money. Um, but yeah, it it just it just seemed interesting for where he was and how fully formed his screen persona was that I hadn't seen him pop up in anything at any point. Like no other producer had been like, "Hey, I could you know I could I could get him in a two hander with." Um, you know, uh, some Western star and we can make something that d- does huge international. I don't know. Uh, and immediately my, my hacky, how do I make money producer brain was like, wait a minute, like this guy's never been at anything over here because um, I do think, um, you know, both of these guys and, and, and even more like they, they just have such great looks, like you said, such great star presence, but um, him in particular is like, wait, how do I feel like I've th- this guy? I, I I know him, but I'm the first time I'm seeing him, which is I think that sort of like movie star quality where you feel like oh I I, I th- this person existed before and will exist again. Yeah. One more, last point I want to add about this is um I saw somebody on Twitter not not the related or, or affiliated with us. They mentioned that um they they were they were Indian um person and they uh, mentioned that uh, they do get frustrated uh, by sometimes the american like in the same tweets we have you know we have uh one perfect headshot or, or you know um john Affirmatic, they post these gifs and clips of these movies and you see comments from presumably western or if it's not american western uh, or english uh, peoples going like stuff like oh my god this is the greatest thing i've ever seen this is amazing but also like uh this beats a Marvel movie by five thousand, or or like um, this is the you know why can't American movies be like this? And you know I understand the sentiment, but what the person was saying that um, th- there's a there's admiring the craft here, but also there's a element of uh, exotic exoticism to this too that we have to be careful of 
because um, not, I mean, well, not us specifically, but yeah, 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 us no, too. I mean, I, I mean, honestly, that was a little bit like what I was kind of hinting at at the beginning. Is yeah, that there's like, a little bit like if this were the dominant art form in the U.S. and all action movies look like this, we wouldn't be super excited about it. It's like, yeah, we would be like, oh god, they're, they're the patriotism thing again. Yeah, yeah, oh, you know, god, actually, they're jamming in the latest fucking you know. Uh, uh, hit pop song into this thing again yeah. we'd be complaining about it because it would be our dominant art form but because we're seeing it from this other culture we're like oh my god which is great but i that was a little bit where i was like i, I always I, I i get that same feeling too because i always feel like people want to just be like oh this other culture is so cool it's it's so exotic so yeah. it was, it was i'll, I'll let of, you finish but yeah, well, yeah, yeah no, 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 that's a good point and it also kind of it's all kind of relates to, relates to each other in that uh, it's just similar to the whole like remake suck kind of discourse, you know, like because people th- automatically think that an American or Western picture will be automatically worse than a Asian or, you know, which, you know, to be fair, yeah, there's track record, record of it. But also like the fact that something is from Korea or Japan makes it better in their minds already, which is not, you know, that they, they make shit too, you know, like, they make like great movies too. And so, and just with the same thing in, in movies, like a lot of the, in your movies, they, they suck too. <laughs> That's okay. That's the movie. A lot of movies in the universe suck. That's just the nature of the business, you know, as we all well know. But the last thing is, uh, I think people, they're going to be, people are, I, I'm hoping and will be more interested to see. There's all this, you know, box office prognostication, you know, now, you know, people want to, why, why aren't they going to see The Last Duel? Or why are they going to go see uh, What's That Story? Nobody knows. Nobody has no fucking clue why. Pandemic or musicals. No, who knows? So, um, they, we, nobody can tell if these indie movies getting bigger traction at least online or um, just by social media stuff will translate, translate to box office gains but my, I want to people know that you know these movies have been showing in America for a long fucking time um, I'm, I'm thankful to live in New York where and you know we have a we don't just have the uh, what was it the coastal elite uh, uh, movie uh, cinephile uh uh, repertory, repertory cinema stuff. We also have a lot of very specific, big, multiplex style uh, film coaster from other countries. Uh, several of these blockbusters, like War and and like you know Saho and Doom, they play at the you know uh, uh, I mean I live in Queens, New York. There's a Jamaica multiplex, you know, in Jamaica Queens, you know, a big, a big, a huge uh, Desi, you know, Indian, Pakistani, uh, South Asian uh, cultural enclave. And this is place all the fucking time. There's still playing. There's two movies playing right now in in the theater in the in this multiplex LZ. Like this stuff is here for us to to, to, to try and enjoy. And you know, so yeah. The, so that part of like being the exoticism. This stuff is a part of us too to share too. Like you know, I, I saw recently. Uh, speaking of like war movies, I saw the uh, the Chinese uh, mega blockbuster war film, uh, the Battle of Lake Changjin. Here in New York, that shows in uh, College Point, uh, near the area of Flushing, which is you know a, a huge Asian Asian American cultural enclave. You know, probably I think it's the biggest, well, one of the biggest uh, collection of Asian peoples outside of Asia. You know, and it's a place all the time. So like, yeah, it's like uh, I want people to be able to embrace this too, too but just like not as like a uh, don't think of it as like a uh, the cure for Hollywood, whatever. It's like. People are going to see this shit. We're all kind of, at the end of the day, kind of getting the same emotions out of it. You know, we're seeing big, beautiful people 
do big, beautiful stuff and seeing big shit blow up on screen. That's just universal. So like, yeah, that's the part you want to embrace. Not because you, you think one is better than the other. Like, like you can get to see this whole spectrum of cool shit, you know? <laughs> and I think hopefully, you know, if where you live is playing it, you know, you can get be part of that too. Well, and that's the other key to avoiding that exoticism because you're right. There is a serious tendency to do that, right? You know, as a guy who grew up a Hong Kong film fan, like obviously to quote my friend Kenny B from Podcast on Fire, Hong Kong cinema is better than what you like. And he's right, (laughs) but there's plenty of bad Hong Kong film movies. And so I would say the antidote to war, if you're like, why can't all these movies look like this? Sticking with Rithik Rosan is to watch one called Koi Mil Gaia, which is three hours of an E.T. fucking ripoff. And it is borderline unwatchable. The cure for that like exotic elevation, that exoticism is you just got, you got to watch the shit too, because vice is right. Like 90% of movies are bad. So like, or maybe not even 90, but let's say 50. The most movies are at best fine. And to, like elevate one country's output and say they're doing all of this X, Y, or Z. Well, that's because you're just watching the the cream that's rising to the top. And in fact, Koimil Gaia was a massive hit in India. And I am telling you people, that movie's fucking bad. Uh, so, and I love, I mean, I'm sitting here chomping at the bit talking about how much I love war. But so you just, what it is about is you need to watch as many movies as you can from as many countries as you can as much and as often as you can uh, and build that up so that you don't get blown away by something and think that this is somehow this one movie, whether it's war or RRR or even the killer or once upon a time in China or whatever it may be that these are in some way emblematic of an entire film industry. Right. You're, you're, you're discounting the fact that, that the artist that made that, it made something that at the best of his field, which, you know, works in any different part of the industry. It's like, you could just watch, you know, one of our best movies and say, why doesn't every movie look like that? So I'm a hundred percent with you. It's, um, it's kind of a weird look there's always like i think twitter presents this right there's always an easy person that's an easy target to dunk on and right now that's marvel and i'm not even sure it's earned because goddamn like i'm enjoying the hawkeye show uh (laughs) like it's it just it gets like a nice easy layup because so much of comedy and so much of twitter like requires you know someone to get hit like it requires a punchline you got to hit someone and we don't want to hit we want to hit up so that whoever's at the top is going to take all these easy hits and it's like why doesn't everything look like this it's like well if everything looked like this you fucking hate it just like everything else it's like the, it, celebrate the variety and obviously quite literally the diversity of the material and and we don't need everything to look the same i think what what was so fun about war for me it was like i said that it, it was culture shock and that i was outside my comfort zone and had to kind of wrap my head around it and, th- and that was the process now i will push back on one thing because i this is like my one take again it's like everybody on twitter watches too many movies okay 
Let me just tell you, <laughs> you guys like go they're outside. Not, fucking... <laughs> they're not meant touch to grass, be. You, grass. You're not meant to watch three movies a day. It is not like you can do it on the weekends. You can have a three movie a day week. I'm I'm your now action movie dad, and I'm telling you, do not watch three movies a day every fucking day of the week. It is. It's not like it's not what they're meant for. The people making them are making it to be like a part of a triple feature that you have every day anyway. Like it's just too much information. It's too much media. Get out there, exercise, meet with friends, meet with family, read, write, do other things. Don't watch three movies a day. That's that's my dad lesson of the week. Say your prayers, eat your vitamins. Nope. Yes, that's <laughs> you can't watch three movies a day. What are you doing to yourself? You're gonna be on the couch, you're gonna be in the chips, the popcorn, you're gonna have ice cream with that. <laughs> You gotta be on a regimen, all right? This is the hardest thing. They're trying to make something for you to enjoy at the end of the day. You have one movie, maybe a half. That's all you need. So listen, <laughs> I, I I gotta say, I'm not like my life is a way to run for it, but I, I I since this podcast, I started because I wanted to watch more movies a week because I feel guilty watching movies most of the time because I think I should be working on a script. I should be working on blocking. I should be sending emails i should be doing work and not actually <laughs> enjoying the art form that i've dedicated my life to so that was part of doing this podcast was like i need to like make movies you know i need to hold myself accountable again and uh, i thank you guys for that well that's the thing for me like honestly i was just i just pulled up my letterbox diary i've watched five movies this entire month we're almost halfway through the month and Every single one I've watched for a podcast, you know, uh, and, and and that's fine. Like, I'm good with that, you know, and, and it does help because I love war. I don't know when I would have gotten around to watching war again, but for you watching it, Liam, and I'm like, hell yeah. Let's, I told Kelsey, I'm like, let's watch fucking war again tonight. And she's like, like, you think I have a man crush on Rithik Rosan? Oh, my God. You should hear my wife talk about him. Um, and she's like, hell yeah. You know, but yeah, you don't need to watch three movies a day. Take take a deep breath. It, it, you're, you're, I see these people bragging about that they've watched, you know, 500 movies in a year. And I'm like, but did you? Did you actually? <laughs> Pigs. <laughs> swine in their swill calm down yeah like we're all gonna die you're not gonna be able to watch every movie watch watch one movie and really engage with it you know and sometimes when you do that it might be fucking infinite and you have to engage with that but watch one movie and really engage with it don't watch five and like oh half-ass them you know, you know, but I'll, I'll also put this from anyone who's like a young creative starting and you feel like, oh, my God, I have this idea, but I have to watch like every other movie because what if I'm ripping this off or what? Like, fuck that. Let all that go, dude. Just fucking make your thing. Write it down. You know, watch watch the stuff that you can. But like there's so much parallel thought. I mean, especially that was the other thing I was thinking about when I was watching War. I was like. You know, I, I could see people being like, oh, well, this is influenced by that. And that's influenced by that. It's like, I, I'm not sure it necessarily is. There's a lot of parallel thought that happens 
it, like it's humans and cameras with people in spaces. Like we're going to overlap each other just because one guy did it first. Doesn't actually mean that the next person who used the technique saw that guy do it. So don't let that, like the absolute insanity of the world's library of film, like overwhelm you and feeling like you're not educated enough to just start and start making things because that way it's a good way for you never to get anything done. There's a, there's a quote tweet, I think, or a quote uh, from, it says, uh, from Martin Scorsese, you know, he says, uh, watch the old masters and learn from them. And, you know, yeah, that's true. Like you, one ought to learn from the masters of craft to be the craftsman. But also like, if you like your backyard, which if only you're like, what if I jumped off the roof of my garage can you do it in the face? Fucking do it, dude. Like that's that. <laughs> who knows? You might, you might unlock the secrets of the universe with the footage you get from that. You know, like, and that's that's how shit, that's how magic happens. You know, it's, 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 just do it. Try it all. <laughs> that's that's our that's our quote of the week. Jump off your garage and kick your friend in the face. Make action movie history. Like, <laughs> this uh, is our drunkest episode, by the way. It's at least my drunkest. Which episode. is funny. I'm actually much more sober than normal. But uh, so, all right. Uh, so the last thing on our list, uh, we are at almost an hour and a half. Uh, Liam, but you did watch Savage Dog. Did you want to talk about that? Yeah, no. Uh, so Savage Dog, um, continuing my Atkins education, um, I thought... It was one of those ones that I was obviously quite ambitious. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the budget was. Um, I think this was like shot 2016, came out 2017. What did I watch it on that's free right now? Uh, Prime. It was a Prime weekend. Um, really interesting movie. It, uh, I, I I love having uh, an, an Irish Atkins in my life. That was uh, that was a great little detail and um you know it it's it's a, a jesse v johnson movie starring scott atkins it's set in um i believe the 50s of indochina and uh a lot of great pit fighting scenes interesting part kind of midway where there's a twist I was, I, I think it's like 90 minutes. I'd say my like criticism is I, I kind of wanted more time in that middle story. And I thought they could have maybe had condensed the end fight into the one location. Um, but the end fight, there's two end fights between uh, Marco and Scott, but the end one is, is definitely worth uh, the, the price of admission. I think all the fights are, are really good. Um, but that one is, it's worth the wait. And so it's definitely one of those that like, I think, um, between, I think the, the, the general look and production values of hell hath no fury are higher than for, for doing a period piece on a budget. I think Jesse and his team keep getting better and better. Um, but this one has a much bigger, you know, ambition and it goes to sprawling locations and it definitely wins you over. Vice, you've seen Savage Dog, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it. Yeah, I, uh, I don't want to spoil the end of the fight, the last final fight. But this is a uh, really not the movie overall is really gnarly and brutal, like really dirty. You know, you kind of you get the, 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 the grit, you can sense it. And of course, it's like a, the 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 ultimate kill at the end. It's a fucking 
one of the most fucked up things I've ever seen. You know, it's like a, it's you know almost like uh, I don't want to spoil it. But yeah, it, 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 when you see somebody, oh man, I'll say it. When you see somebody eat a part of somebody else after they kill somebody, that's like holy fuck. What am I watching? But you know, it's just, it's just so raw. But also like, well, part of that nastiness is also not just the actual gore, but like um the the, the flavors of the uh, history and you know it's in, you know trying to um well you know just just it being called you know trying to kind of put in that. In that uh, time frame, mine from history, before countries had a proper name like you know Thailand or Burma or wherever it might be, uh, it, it, this kind of post World War II, this kind of fall the, or the reshaping of the colonies and empires, and you have like these uh, I forget which country they're from. I'm not sure if they're Italian or Spanish, but these uh Axis these uh, uh, refugee Axis powers are the heavies in, in the film. So this is like distinct kind of flavor of of this uh post-Nazi, you know, uh, 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 or post-fascist kind of element to it, too. And you, you kind of get this, all these, like, distinct flavors and this, like, uh, this period piece that you don't normally see in uh, in movies in general, let alone, like, you know, DTV action movies. So, yeah, I just, I just appreciate that that, that it's it's very distinct kind of vibe um, of, of the both the setting and the, and the grit and all. Yeah, it's just it's great fun. Like, I think definitely a, a good example of uh, how you can, again, how you can... Uh, you with the little resources you have, you can combine them in interesting ways, you know, with the right kind of themes and elements to it, you know, and make something distinct. Really liked it. Yeah, I um, there's a narrative thing that happens in Savage Dog that breaks the movie for me, and it doesn't seem to bother anybody else as much as it bothers me. And I won't, I won't get into spoilers, but just get into it. The movie's been out for four years. Let's yeah, hear the so detail. Keith David narrates it and then dies halfway through the movie, and still somehow manages to keep narrating the fucking movie. And, that's- <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Keith David, I, I, I he's great in the he's movie. Great. Up he's great. No, he's too. great in it. Yeah. That just that that bugs me. Don't have a narrate if you're gonna do that. I just don't have a narrator but but nonetheless i think savage dog is a massively important film in jesse's career because i think there's a, a distinct line from pit fighter to savage dog to the mercenary to hell hath hell hath no fury in terms of what jesse's ethos and and what he's his aesthetic what he's trying to say about the world um, I think it's a pretty great Scott performance. He and Marco go at it. It's not as high tech. It's not as pretty as what they do in Undisputed 3, but it is so much harder and more brutal. Um, it's funny you say that because I was looking at that too. I was like, the you know, the fight coverage is pretty much like three angles. It's not that it's not like it doesn't. And it feels like they're doing the whole fight from each three angles. It doesn't feel like they're doing it like specifically shot to shot. I don't know if that's the way they did it, but that, that was my takeaway. Um, but yeah. And I, my, my nitpick, which is like, it is the nitpick was that that moment that uh, Keith David dies it, it was a really dramatic moment because he had bet on Scott and Scott then threw the fight. And I was like, wanted to have them kind of have that moment of revelation that Scott had, had decided to sell out. And in that moment, like not only just selling himself short, he also fucked over his friend who believed in him, but they immediately kind of like already have the bad guys closed in before they even get to see each other one last time. So that was to me. It felt like it was it was putting this these, these tracks in for this nice, juicy, dramatic 
moment of revelation between these two characters that I'd really enjoyed up until that point. And then it just had the bad guys close in before they could have it. And I was like, well, well the bad guys could have come in, you know, 20 minutes earlier. That didn't need to be there. So that, that was the part that, that frustrated me. And then it seemed to have all this time for him to track down Marco at the end, which I was like, you know, we could have had that shorter, but more, more meat there with, uh, with Keith David. But again, it's like, the end where he's actually fucking attacking the, uh, the, the base. And it's like, wait, I thought this was a fighting movie. Now it's just, you know, call of duty into China. It's, it's pretty great. Yeah. And yeah. It, it does Juju Chan dirty. I mean, I don't think it gives her enough to do, um, but it's an important movie. Sorry, vice. I totally cut you off. Go ahead. What oh no. Saying? I was going to say, uh, my one to pick is, uh, it's not a story thing. So I was watching this with my friends, you know, they're all getting high, whatever. And um, we, during a fight scene, um, you can see in the background, I don't know what you call it, the, uh, like, it, it takes place in, you know, they film it in a real location, but in the background, you can see, like, a, um, the stage, like, you can see, like, a, a ladder from, like, our time now, like, a plastic orange ladder that you get from Home Depot. And, I, <laughs> and, and, and so, like, I just, I just, I, it was just so uh, charming. It was, like, Bro, that happens so late into the process. You'll be yeah. in the DI at the end, and and you're you're like, wait, what is that? What is that? And you go and you vote, and it's just like, is that the fucking AC? And it's like you see a guy in the shadow, like holding the autofocus, like smiling, and he's just in the corner of the frame. And you're like, you've been watching the movie for a year. You're like, how did we miss that? Oh, thank God. And you know, if you've been looking at it for a year and you're just finding it in the DI at the last moment, that there's something you're going to miss that's going to horrify you. Um, but yeah, you'll see grip tape. You know, they they'll throw like you know orange grip tape on the wall, and it sometimes it's for eye lines for the actors when you're in one setup, and then you've turned the camera and people have forgotten to take the grip tape off, and then you know in a in a di you can you can key in on that orange tape and you can like turn it black so people will notice it or something but it yeah. I, I always feel bad for when when i hear those things because it's so easy for I, it to I, happen I, I i i don't mean it to be an insult you know i i know people will take it as such but like that's just the the joy of dtv for me it's like you know it's that that go long globus canon building like seat of their pants like they're doing their yeah, out here making a movie, doing you know whatever they can with whatever they have, and like just uh, you know sometimes you know she gets caught up in the. <laughs> it was just so fun to like yeah, it was, that's part of the fun of all this, you know, to see those these little you, know, you can call them mistakes, but these little intricacies of area. Well, that, of, um, it was a little bit like what I was talking about with the fighting, where it feels like they lit they lit the room they lit everything one way, but then like you know certain angles look way better than other angles, and it's not just from it selling the fight; they just look better lighting wise. And um, I remember when I did a Zoom with um, Jonathan Hall, who now does, he didn't do, he didn't um, DP Savage Dog, but he did, uh, he, he did Hell Hath No Fury. And I asked him, how on earth do you make these movies in such a short time? And he said, well, I, I like the space. I don't like the shot. I, I, I like the space. And I was like, oh, okay. That makes so much sense that it's, you know, it's not, he's not, you know, usually everyone's going to be like, okay, we're in this corner of the room. We're going to turn the light around. We're going to turn the light around. And my whole shot list will be designed around turning the light around. And if you have less time than that, then it's like, you just got to light this room so that there's no bad angle. 
and you got to, and it, that takes a lot of skill. And so that, that's like how these films, I think have, have evolved to, like you're saying, we've said hell hath no fury and um, the debt collector films, avengement. It's like, how are they doing such high level shit on such a short schedule? And uh, yeah, you gotta like the space. Yeah. That's a great point. You know, even with that, this slip up of seeing this modern piece of 21st century you know, ladder in the 1950s in China, like that, that kind of belies all the actual real craft is pure skill that they're doing to get rich of this stuff done. You know, so that people want you to know, laugh. Oh, look at the have to stuff in the background. No, but are you watching what's happening before before you? Like that's that's a great point that you brought that up. You know, no, there's no there is no cheap movie. Everything is everything is uh, invaluable. Yeah, except you know when you have a bigger budget, you can just be like, oh, paint the fucking ladder out. And then if you don't have a bigger budget, they're like, hey, sorry, bro, either cut the shot or the ladder's in. And you're like, god damn it. So it happens. <laughs> That's actually a thing that drives me nuts when I see people criticize like indie action or direct video action is you'll watch somebody do like somebody will be like, oh well the the hit the the kick didn't even look like it connected. Like I could see that it missed. And I'm like he did a triple backflip into a fucking Giver kick. And you're like, oh, it didn't look like it connected. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, that's your hangout. Like, you're watching somebody literally defy gravity, but because he was a half an inch off of the connection, that took you out of the movie? Get the fuck out of here. Like, yeah. Um, all right, boys, I think this is a good time to wrap it up. Uh, no, gonna- let's keep going forever. All night. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, it's getting a little late in vice's end of the woods. And I got, I actually have to go make dinner and, and my children are banging at the door. Yeah, They're screaming. I was, was going to say, Liam, should where, probably... where is my father? <laughs> oh, he's drunk talking about action movies. Um, all right. So, uh, vice, where can people, uh, the graduate, well, soon to be graduate, <laughs> the, uh, the master vice Victus, where can people find you? I'll be in uh in the bedroom doing the, no <laughs> I was gonna make a milf joke but I'm not I'm 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 I'm, I'm crasher than that uh you can find me on Twitter gonna... <laughs> I was yeah. gonna make a throat goat joke like <laughs> as everyone talked about we should just do a premium feed about Nancy Reagan for the next twenty minutes because I was just laughing all day That's yesterday. That's our Christmas episode. We'll say that. Okay. For Christmas episode. Throat goat Nancy Reagan. Action! Action for everyone after dark. That'll be our Patreon. That'll be the the Patreon series we do. A for E after dark. You can hear all our spicy stories. Oh man, this awesome. Vice on spice. All right, uh, I'm at Vice Victus on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Up there, you know the. Doing cool stuff with Tokyo shit. And Liam? Liam Odin on Twitter and Instagram. Doing the same thing. Watching movies and, and trying to be as positive as possible. And you can find me at Hibachi Justice. You can find the show at A4E Podcast on Twitter. And you can, I'm assuming you know this since you're listening to us, you can hear us on all of your podcast apps of choice. Boys, Love you as always. Uh, I think we'll uh, we'll do this again next week if if that's all right with you guys. Let's uh, let's keep it going. Yeah, yeah, yeah all right, yeah, all right. <laughs> Work. Recording and stopped. We are done. All right.